Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, uh, which has set up this whole entire series that we started uh, last week entitled Emmanuel, which means... All right, some of you here last week. That's right, Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, so we're going to read that, that, that scripture. But I also want you to go uh, to an Old Testament passage, 1 Kings chapter 19, 1 Kings chapter 19. And if you don't know how to get there, like I, like I have troubles now getting around in my Bible because normally I'm on a digital one. It's point and click. Uh, but you can just go to the front there and uh, find your way. Uh, we have notes coming down the aisles. If you want some of those, just raise your hand and the ushers will get you some. Uh, but we started this series last week, uh, Emmanuel, God with us. How do we know uh, that the, the meaning of Emmanuel is God with us? Because right here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, now let me just set the scene for you. Here's the reason why we come across this scripture so often at Christmas, because it really sets up the Christmas story. Uh, because here's what's taking place. Joseph is engaged to Mary, and they're about to get married. In the process of that, uh, the angel of the Lord, uh, the Holy Spirit overshadows Mary. She becomes pregnant by the Lord, and now Joseph finds out, and he's like, that didn't happen. I'm going to divorce you. Okay, that's the scene. And, um, and so in the midst of that, in the midst of Joseph saying, I'm going to divorce her, man, the angel of the Lord appears in a dream to Joseph and uh, begins to share with him what took place. And it comes to this part of the passage in uh, chapter 1 of Matthew, verse 23, that says, see the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And so, man, that, that thought of God with us, Emmanuel, it seems to just be resurrected every Christmas season, becomes a theme, it becomes a topic. But here's my hope and my prayer through this series is that we're going to discover that it's not just God with us in Christmas season, it's God with us all the time. He never leaves us, he never forsakes us. And, and I, the, one of the things I'm loving already about this uh, series is this, is because when I was young in my faith, um, I, I often felt God with me when everything was going great. Uh, when everything was lining up, and man, I had money, and I had relationships, and friends, ev everything was just going good. It's easy in those moments to feel like God is with us. But it's hard to, to feel like God is with us when not everything's going your way. Are you with me? But here's what I discovered. God is with us all the time. He doesn't leave us when we're feeling low. He doesn't leave, no, he's with us in every season of our life. And so that's what we're talking about. That's what we're discovering. Last week, we talked about God with us in uh, the valley. Today, I wanna talk about God with us um, in the wilderness. And it's, it's important that we understand this. It's easy for us to sense God in the high moments of our life but what we need to understand is that God is with us in every season of our life. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And so I want to use this uh, metaphor, the wilderness, because oftentimes when you're reading about the wilderness in Scripture, it really paints a picture of a journey. And so we're going to use this metaphor, the wilderness. It's going to make more sense as we go along. So let's go to 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. And we're going to read about 18 verses, and we're going to discover God with us in the wilderness. You ready? First Kings chapter 19, and it says, And Ahab told Jezebel, now Ahab's the king, Jezebel's his wife, everything that Elijah, Elijah is like one of the great prophets of this time, he hears messages from God and delivers them to the nation. 
So here's the king, here's the king's wife, here's Elijah, and uh, he's the prophet of God. So Ahab tells Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Now what has he done? Now at this point, um, Ahab doesn't tell Jezebel everything he's done. What's specifically being referenced is just the chapter before. And in the chapter before, what you see is that at Elijah, who serves the Most High, comes in and has conflict with the prophets of Baal, Baal being a god that they were worshiping at the time, a false god. And so now Elijah and these prophets, and I'm paraphrasing the story, Elijah and these prophets are, are, are kind of arguing with one another. And so they say, okay, fine, let's find out who the real God is, all right? And um, so they come up with this idea, okay, whatever God answers by fire, that's who we're going to know who the real God is. And so the prophets of Baal go first, and they set up their, their altar, and they put their little sacrifice up there, and they begin to call out to the God of Baal, but nothing's happening. And so now they're dancing around this thing, and nothing's happening. Uh, now, actually, the verses say they begin to cut themselves and begin to cry out even louder that Baal would respond, and nothing is happening. Now, Elijah gets a little bit cocky in the story, and he actually begins to taunt the prophets of Baal. And he begins to taunt him, saying, what, is your God sleeping? Where is he at? What is he, is he using the facilities? It literally, if you look at it in context, that's what he's saying. He's like, what's, what's, what's up with your God? And so they're furious, but, but Baal doesn't respond because Baal don't exist, okay? So then it's, it's Elijah's turn. So Elijah then comes on the scene, and he's like, hey, here's what we're going to do. I want you to dig a trench around this whole entire altar. I want you to fill it with water. And so they do. And he goes, that's not good enough. Now let's take water and dump it on the sacrifice. And so they do. And then Elijah begins to call out to God, and God responds, and fire comes down and consumes this sacrifice, like literal fire. All right? This is what happens. And so now all the prophets of Baal are furious, but now Elijah, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, um, gets orders, and they're now to take out all the prophets of Baal. And so they kill all these prophets of Baal, okay? So that's the scene. So we pick it up here. Ahab's furious, tells Jezebel, his wife, everything that Elijah had done. Verse 2. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, may the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like the life of one of them by this tomorrow. In other words, if you're not dead like those guys by tomorrow, all right, then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his his life. Now I want to pause there because there's a side note here that has nothing to do with the message. But I want to pause there because uh, it's interesting that, that, that Elijah isn't afraid of Ahab. He's afraid of his wife. Come on, somebody. Right? All the men know what I'm talking about right now. All right? It's one thing, it's one thing to tick off the dad. You get the mom angry. Mm. Mm-mm. Wasn't until... Jezebel got involved, but now he's, 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 he's afraid, right? Verse 3. Then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there, but he went on a day's journey into the wilderness. Everybody say wilderness. Okay, he's in the wilderness. But in the wilderness, he's going to discover that God is with him. He sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I have had enough, Lord. Take my, take my life. You ever been there before where you just felt like you've had enough? Now this, this, this is the place that Elijah is at. He's, he's literally at that place. Listen to what his prayer is. His prayer is, God, that it, it would be so much better for me if I just died. Like if I wasn't even here, if I wasn't even around. I don't want to be here. He's at, 
he's at his, his end. For I'm no better than my father. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him. The angel told him, get up and eat, verse 6. Then he looked and there at his head was a, a loaf of bread and ba- a baked over hot stones and a jug of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord returned for a second time and touched him and he said, get up, eat, for the journey will be too much for you. So he got up, ate and drank. Then on the strength of the food, he walked 40 days and 40 nights to Oreb, the mountain of God. He entered a cave there and, and spent the night. Then the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are looking for me to take my life. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. And at that moment, the Lord passed by, and a great and mighty wind was, was, was tearing the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him. It was the voice of God. What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, he replied, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, tore down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are looking to take my life. Then the Lord God said to him, go, and God, man, the, the, the word of the Lord comes to him, reveals all these things he's going to do. Verse 18, it says, but I will leave 7,000 in Israel. In other words, 7,000 just like you. Every knee that is not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. I want to talk to you in the next few moments about God with us in the wilderness. God with us in the wilderness. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. And uh, Lord, we thank you for these moments, God, where we can come and learn together as a community from the word. And I pray that's what we would do today. Lord, I pray that you would help me now create a, a place for people to encounter your son, Jesus, Know your amazing love and understand the incredible plan that you have for their life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, 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 amen. The wilderness, the wilderness. We're going to use that as a metaphor to talk about seasons, seasons of life. Now, if you haven't been around church for a long time, like me, I was, my dad was a pastor. I grew up in church, got saved at the age of six. It wasn't until I was in my teenage years that I actually realized that, um, because I was hanging out with some of my friends who were not Christians, um, that you might not know this, but church people have a language. Like, it's called Christianese. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you've been in church for a long time, you're like, oh, yeah, we, we do. And if you're just joining church, you're sitting here like, I don't understand a lot of what they're saying, right? It's kind of like their own, their own language. Um, and I, I remember learning this when I was hanging out with some buddies of mine, and they're like, dude, what are you talking about right now? Like, like for example, um, you know, in church, um, we don't say, hey, bro, you want to watch Monday Night Football? We say, hey, do you want a fellowship on Monday night? 
Like, I know, I know it's like a biblical term and the fellowship and the gathering of the saints, it's great. But can I just tell you right now, when you're hanging out with your, your friends, like when you, you start talking about fellowship, they're like, what are you talking about right now? Can we just, you want to go to dinner? What do you want to do? You want to go watch Monday Night Football? Like, what are we talking about right now in this, in this moment? Here's another one. Uh, and maybe if you've been around church or, you know, for a while, and maybe you've, you've prayed this or you've or had somebody pray it for you, um, you know, and like you're going through something and they surround you and they pray for you and say, I just pray a hedge of protection. What? First of all, where is that in scripture? Second of all, if you're gonna pray protection for me, don't pray a hedge, pray a fortress. <laughs> like, right? Like, like, if you're gonna pray protection, has anybody ever seen a hedge? Number one, I personally don't like them. <laughs> like, the, I just don't. Like, but like a hedge, it's like up to here. Like, no, I wanna be protected all the way. I don't just pray a hedge of protection. What, what, so if you're new to like, so you're like, what is that? They're just praying protection for you, but it's a hedge apparently rather than a, a fortress. Last time I read my Bible, like he's, he's a big God. He can protect all of me. I don't, I don't need your hedge, all right? Or here's another one that people pray, like when you're gonna be traveling. Have you ever had this? Like, hey, can you pray for me? I'm going on a trip, a missions trip. Lord, I just pray traveling mercies. What are those? And where are they in scripture, right? Like, it's like, I know we have the mercy of God, but then there's like, if you're traveling, there's like a little extra or something. Like, hey, you know, like, I don't even know what that is, right? Um, it's, what is it? It's, it's Christian, it's Christianese. Here's another one that you might hear in church sometime. Hey, we're just gonna take up a love offering. Okay, in, in the church setting, maybe you get it, but don't ever use those words hanging out with your friends outside of the church. Because they're gonna be like, what just happened? Like, are we about to hug something out? Is something different about to happen? What is a love offering? No one knows, all right? Let me tell you what a love offering is. A love offering is we had a guest speaker come in. We didn't have it in the budget to pay for him, so then we have to take up an offering at the end, all right? That's a love Okay. There's just these, these different, or here's, here's another one. Um, now, this one is totally biblical, like we see, but like when you're outside talking with your friends, don't use this. Don't tell them that you came to church today and someone got washed in the blood. Right? Because ain't no one ever coming to church with you after that, right? Like, what, what does that mean, washed in the blood? What are you talking about? And then you try to explain it, right? And you're like, oh, someone got saved. And they're like, saved from what? Like, like, what do you mean saved? Like, are we being attacked? Are there terrorists? What's happening right now? Right? It just it doesn't make any, any sense. Now, obviously, we, you know, if you've been in church and you read scripture and say, okay, uh, we see that Jesus Christ died on the cross, right? He shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. But listen to me, they ain't gonna, they ain't gonna get it out there. Are you with me? All right, so just, there's just some things. It's, what is it? It's Christian, it's Christianese. Now, as we talk about the wilderness, it's probably more of a metaphor than it is Christianese, but, but the, the wilderness, and maybe you've used it to describe a season you've been in before. Like, I, what is the wilderness? Some, or maybe you might use that desert. I just feel like I'm in a, a desert season or a wilderness season in my faith. And what do we mean by that? What we mean is like, we don't feel like, like, like God's close. We don't feel like we're getting answers. We, we kind of feel like we're just wandering aimlessly or purposely and we don't have direction. And I really don't wanna be here. I wanna be out of this moment. I'm, I'm, I'm stuck somewhere in between from where I was and where I'm going and where I wanna be. It's, it's just this wilderness, this wilderness season. Right? Anybody ever used that before? I just feel like that, that's, that's the season I'm in. That's the season that I'm, I'm walking through. Here's, here's what we're gonna discover. Is this, is that it's in those wilderness seasons that we learn great dependency on him. That we learn great dependency on, on God. 
It's easy for us to sense God in the high moments of our life, but what about those other, those other moments? I'm in a wilderness. Well, let's just practically, what do we mean by wilderness season? I mean, how, how does that play? I mean, it could be like, like you're in a job right now. And you don't really want to be in that job, and you want to be in this other job, and so you're just in this, this, this wilderness season. It's not, it doesn't feel like the right fit, and so you're looking. It could, it could be like, like you're renting a house right now, but you want to buy a house. And so you're in this season where, man, I'm renting. I'm just kind of wondering if maybe we should buy a house, or maybe, you know, like, what should I do? Or maybe, maybe you're dating somebody, right? You've been dating for, for a while, and he just doesn't want to commit. You're in a wilderness season, right? Like, what's happening? You don't want to, you don't want to be there. There's just... Something. And here's the thing about the wilderness season. It seems like you, you, you try to describe it to other people, but no one really gets it. Like, no one understands me. And it's just this dry season, the season of, of, of no answers, a season where things don't seem to be, be connecting well. In the wilderness season, you will often feel isolated. But what we must realize is that we are never alone. God is with us and maybe even closer than you realize. Maybe even closer than you realize. Here's a couple of things you need to understand about the metaphor, the wilderness season. Um, the wilderness season oftentimes seems to happen after a mountaintop experience. What do I mean by that? Like, like just like great momentum and success in your life. Like things were going really well, and now, man, I just feel like I hit this wilderness. Like things aren't going that well. For example, uh, Jesus in the New Testament, Matthew chapter four, uh, he, he gets baptized and it's this mountaintop experience for Jesus because the Bible says the heavens open and, uh, and, and the Holy Spirit comes and descends upon him like a dove. Talk about a mountaintop experience, right? And then he hears the voice of his heavenly father say, this is my beloved son and whom I am well pleased. That's Matthew chapter three. Then in Matthew chapter four, the very next chapter, it says, and then he's led into the wilderness by the Spirit. Mountaintop experience, now in the wilderness. Uh, we see this uh, with a guy named Moses. Moses, the guy that led the children of Israel in the Old Testament out of Egypt to the Promised Land. Moses is in the, uh, like in Pharaoh's kingdom. He's one of the adopted kids. He's living in the palace. Man, he has everything at his disposal. Talk about mountaintop experience. But then we read, read on, and the next scene we see him, he's, he's in the wilderness. He's fleeing into the wilderness. He went from mountaintop to wilderness. Uh, we see this with the children of Israel as they were leaving Egypt, leaving bondage, and all these miracles and signs and wonders God does to get them out of Egypt. There's this mountaintop experience, and then they're out in the wilderness. Here in the passage we read today, we see Elijah. Elijah just had one of the greatest moments probably ever in his ministry. I mean, fire from heaven just coming down. I mean, he was walking around like with his chest puffed out, like talking smack to the, to the other prophets of Baal. I mean, we're talking mountaintop experience, and now he's where? He's in the wilderness running for his life, all right? So we gotta understand that sometimes, why do we need to understand this? Because there is mountains in your spiritual journey, and there are wilderness seasons in your spiritual journey. And a lot of times, they seem to come right after the mountaintop experience. The other thing we need to understand about wilderness is this, is that you're either in the wilderness for one of two reasons. One, it's because God led you there, or two, it's because you're running from something and you ran there. Uh, where do we see this again with Jesus? After he's baptized, it says the spirit of the Lord led him into the wilderness. So he was led there. Okay? Uh, we see this with the children of Israel in Exodus when they were leaving Egypt. Who led them? God led them. A, a, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He, they were being led through the wilderness. Okay? 
Uh, but then we also see people running. Why was Moses in the wilderness? Why did he leave the uh, Pharaoh's palace? Because he was running for his life. He ran into the wilderness because he had murdered somebody. Here with Elijah, what's happening with Elijah? Elijah is in the wilderness because he ran there. Here's the great thing about the wilderness, though. It doesn't matter if God's leading you there or if you ran there. The outcome can be exactly the same, and that is you can discover that God is with you in your wilderness season. Doesn't matter if you ran, doesn't matter if he led you. The outcome can be the same. God is with you in the wilderness season. And there, man, you, you can learn even more assurance and reliance and dependency upon him. Let me just give you a couple of things then, our, our response or, or, or as we're walking and discovering God with us in the wilderness season. The first one is this, is you've got to identify. Well, what do I mean by identify? You've got to identify why you are in the wilderness. Identify, what, are you there because God led you there? Are you there because he's leading you out of something into something new, but as you go, you're in this season because he wants to get you more dependent upon him? And so is he leading you there? You gotta identify that. Or are you in there because you're running from something in your life? Is there unrepentant sin in your life? Is there stuff from your past that you don't wanna deal with and that, that you're, just not, you're just not confronting and because of that, you're in this wilderness season? It's good for us to identify why are we in the wilderness to start with? Because here's the thing, I believe once we can identify it, then there can be a little more rest. You can rest and say, okay, God's leading me through this, he's got this, but then we can identify, okay, I'm running here, he's still got it, but there's some things I need to deal with in my life. Why are you in the wilderness? Why do you feel that way, that dry season, that season? Have you ever been there before where you're, you're trying to explain the season you're in and people just don't get it? To the point where you just get frustrated, you don't wanna explain it any longer? and then you just kind of pull back, which then even creates more of a wilderness season, right? Like you've been working really hard for this, but this didn't happen, and now you're here, and you try to explain it, and it says, and even if people do get it, you don't feel like they do. Am I the only one that's been there before, right? It's that wilderness season. But let's identify, why are we there? Are we there because that's where God's leading us, or are we there because we've, we've ran there? But either way, the outcome can be the same. Secondly, when you're in this season, when you're in this wilderness season, secondly, we gotta need to learn to rest. Rest. Rest in the season. Rest. Look at what happens. Here is Elijah and he runs and he's in the wilderness and he's there. Falls asleep under this tree. Angel of the Lord comes to him Pokes him, wakes him up. He says, hey, I want you to rise. I want you to eat. I want you to drink. And then God provides the food and the drink for him. And the Bible says that he eats and he drinks and he falls back asleep. And then a second time, the angel Lord comes, wakes him up again. And you got to hear this. says, I want you to rise and eat and drink for the journey is too great for you. In other words, I need you to do this because you can't do this on your own. Listen to me, the greatest thing you can do in the wilderness season is learn to rest and understand that you can't do this thing on your own. That, that you, just need to, you just need to slow down, you need to push pause and you need to settle. Here's the thing, when we're in the wilderness season, too often times, we wanna try to work our way out of it. We, we wanna try to, um, we're, we're sitting there, we're in the wilderness season, we don't wanna be in this job, so at the job we don't wanna be in on our lunch break or maybe not even on our lunch break when we're supposed to be working for the job, we're searching for other jobs. Right? 
What do you want? I want out of this season. You're trying everything you can do to get out of that. I don't want to be in this season, so I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that. Uh, you're in that season where you've been dating for a really long time, and he's not asking me to marry him, so you start texting him pictures of rings. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you're trying to get out. Get the clue. Get the clue, right? We don't like being in wilderness season, and so what we do is we try to work. Listen to what, listen to what the angel of the Lord told Elijah. This, this is too great for you. You can't do this. You need to, here's what you need to do, Elijah. You need to rest. You need to eat. You need to drink. You need to sleep. What's he saying there? He's saying you need to rest. You need this rest, and you need to rest. Listen, the greatest thing we can do in the wilderness season is learn to rest in his presence. Understand that no amount of work, no amount of effort that you can do is going to get you out of it. You've got to learn just to rest in him. And when you learn to rest in him, man, the journey's too great for you. Why are you trying? Why are you working all the angles? Why are you working this angle? Why, why, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? You just need to learn to rest and allow God to work in your circumstance, in your situation, and in your life. Just rest. Just rest. We're, we're, we're in such a hurry all the time. I, I re recently read this devotional, um, The Ruthless Pursuit of the Elimination of Hurry or something like that. It's like a five day. I'm like, why well, is only five days if we're trying to eliminate hurry, but whatever. <laughs> so I read this five day devotional and man, it impacted me so much and then I found out it's a book. So I ordered this book and I'm gonna read this book and it's about eliminating hurry and how hurry Man gets in every area of our life, even in our spiritual journey. Why am I here? I don't want to be here. I want to be here. I want to rush, rush to get there. Rush to, my wife and I, a couple years ago for our 20th anniversary, we went to Italy and celebrated Italy. And man, it was like, it was a life-changing moment. Some people, when we came back, some people were like, yeah, you guys look like you're teenagers again. I'm like, well, let's, let's go to Italy again then. <laughs> but I'm telling you, like, the way of life is so different and it wasn't just the tourists, it was everybody. It was like you just wake up whenever you wake up and go grab coffee and why are you eating gelato at 10 a.m.? But I don't care, give me some gelato, right? Like, <laughs> it was just like this pace was just like, wow, like, man, we, are, we are in such a hurry. And man, and, and, it, and, it, and it gets into our spiritual journey and it gets into this, this thing called Christianity and, and, and we, wanna, we wanna hurry our way through. And listen to me, look, look at the ministry and the life of Jesus. He would stop and just have meaningless conversations, at least it seemed like to us. It's like, what are you doing? We gotta go somewhere. He just, he's not in a hurry. He's not in a hurry. We, we, we just need to learn to rest. Learn to rest. One of my mentors gave me some of the best advice I ever say. He said, Ben, just do the best you can under the circumstances and then take a nap. I'm like, I like that. Can I just nap all the time? Like, sounds great. What was he saying? He was saying, Ben, you need to learn to rest. You need to learn to rest. In the wilderness season, we need to learn to rest. And Elijah had to learn to rest because he couldn't do it. The journey was too great for him. Number three, number three, honesty. 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 When Elijah get asked the question, okay, let's talk now, after he rested, angel Lord comes back and says, hey, hey, uh, what are you doing here? And Elijah uses that opportunity. First of all, I love the fact that God just talks to him and just invites him in. And Elijah opens up and he's honest about his circumstances. Why am I here? Because I, I'm running for my life because I'm the only one? 
Matter of fact, a part of me just thinks it would be better if I died. Like life would be better, everyone's life would be better. He's honest about his circumstances. He's honest about where he's at in the wilderness season. We need to learn to be honest. We don't need to put like the game face on. We don't need to put the Sunday morning face on. We need to be honest about where we're at, what we're dealing with, and he does that. He's like, I'm the only one. There's nobody else, even though at the end of the passage, God reminds him, no, I got 7,000 others just like you. But when you're in the wilderness season, sometimes you feel isolated, you feel alone, you feel like you really are the only one. You feel like you're carrying all this weight and no one gets you and no one understands you. It's okay, talk about it. Be honest about where you're at, be honest about how you're feeling. The worst thing we can do, and I've been there before, right? Like you've been in those environments like, like I don't wanna open up and tell people because what will people think? Or I'm involved in some level of leadership, and so if I, if I let them know what's going on in my life, I won't have this le- level of leadership any longer. They won't let me play the drums on worship. Listen, if you're not gonna play the drums on worship, we're just gonna go hire somebody that can play drums. We don't know where they're at. Listen, the best thing we can do is be honest about our circumstance, our situation. No matter what the level is, no matter what's going on in your life, the worst thing we can do is keep it bottled up, right? Like, because here's the reality. Here at Canvas Church, man, we care about what's going on in your heart. We care about what's happening right here. But if we don't, aren't honest about it, and listen, there's so much value to being honest, man. You open up to God and you talk to God and tell him where you're at, but also opening up and talking with your church community. But here's what's going on in my life. Here's what's going on in my health. Here's what's going on in, in this area, my life. whatever it is. And you find healing there. Now, I, I'll tell you one of, the, one of the greatest things that I've learned, not, and listen to me, not as a pastor, not as a leader, but just as a, as a human being trying to pursue Jesus the best way I know how. Here's one of the things I've learned, man. Man, this spiritual journey is a lot better when I have other people in my corner that I can open up to. And I can just say, hey, here's, here's what's going on in my life. Here's what's happening to me. And it's not just the prayer, sometimes it's the wisdom and the insight. That's so I open, I'll open up, I have people I open up to about, about my marriage. Here's where my marriage is at, this is what's going on, and, and um, I, wanna, I wanna continue. Listen, I, I mean, I think one of the, the, the worst places we can come in any area of our life is thinking we've arrived and we've made it. Like wherever your marriage is at right now, if you think, oh, I have a great marriage, great. It can, get, it can get greater, it can get better. Don't come to that place where you feel like, oh, I've just arrived at this area, man. And so I have people in my life where I'm just like, hey, and they'll give me some insight or whatever, um, whatever it might be. But there's so much value in that and being honest about where I, I have board members and I'll still remember one of my board members and God, God forbid this would ever happen. Um, but I remember he looked at me and you need people like this in your life that'll be with you thick and thin and, and through every area. It's like, he's like, Ben, man, I don't care, man, anything that you go through. I'm, I don't care if you end up killing somebody. I'm like, whoa, dude. It's like, ministry ain't that tough, right? What are you talking about? I just want you to know I got your back no matter what, and I'm going to be with you forever. And Just people that you can just open up to. Are you with me this morning? Man, being honest about it. And I love, I love what Elijah does. He's just, he just opens up, and he just lets it all out, and he's honest about And here's why. Here's why we need to be honest about it, because your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to depend on God. Your deepest need, whatever the thing is that you're walking through, the thing that you're doing, your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to depend on God. That's what's happening in Elijah's life right now is is this is where I'm at and what did it do? It drove him to depend on God. 
What about you? What, what, what area of your life are you? What, what's your deepest need? What's your struggle? What are you dealing with right now? If you were just open and honest about it, I guarantee you that that deepest need has become your greatest gift and it drives you to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And lastly, when you're in this wilderness season, you gotta meet with God. You gotta meet with God. I, I love this. God just simply throughout the whole entire process, he's there, he's never left him. Provides the food, tells him to rest, comes along, asks like, what, what are you doing here? What am I doing here? Here's what I'm doing here. But I love God's response. God does not get angry with Elijah. God just keeps taking Elijah along in the journey. And in this moment, all of a sudden, Elijah has an opportunity to meet with God. He has an opportunity to meet with God. We've got to learn to meet with God in the wilderness seasons. But listen to me, he often shows up in the ordinary rather than the remarkable. He oftentimes shows up in the ordinary rather than the remarkable. What do I mean by that? The Bible says, man, there was a wind. You know, Elijah comes out to the, the edge of the cave and there's a great wind, but what does the Bible say? He's not in the wind. And then after the wind, there's this great earthquake, but what does the Bible say? He's not in the earthquake. And it says there was this fire, but again, it says he's, he wasn't in the fire, but, but can I tell I don't know about you, but for me, I'm always looking for the remarkable. I'm even in the wilderness season, I'm always looking for the remarkable. God, show up and do something. God, give me a sign. God, could you do this? And, and I believe if we're all honest, that's, that's, that's a lot of us, right? We're looking for God to do something remarkable. But listen to me, in the wilderness season, that God doesn't always show up in the remarkable. He shows up in the ordinary. Because all of a sudden, in this moment, it wasn't the earthquake. It wasn't, it wasn't the wind. It wasn't the fire. It was a still, small whisper. And Elijah hears the whisper. And when he hears the whisper, the Bible says he wraps his face in his mantle. He knew that God had showed up. And he goes out. And it's in that place and in that moment that God begins to share with him his purpose, his destiny, and the plan that he has for his life. It wasn't in the remarkable. Why is it that we're always looking for the remarkable? Why is it that we're always looking for some supernatural event? What if we just settled ourselves, we rested, and we settled for that still, small whisper? Say, Ben, why is it? Why is it in the wilderness season? Why is it in the desert season? Why is it that, that in those moments it seems like his voice is so faint and his voice is so distant? Why is it that, that his voice seems like a whisper? It's because you don't yell at those that are super close to you. You pull them in and you whisper in their ear. The reason God's voice is a whisper and not a yell in those seasons is because he's closer to you than you realize. He's closer to you than you think, and he's whispering in your ear because the more he whispers, the more you have to lean in and realize that he is God with you, even in the wilderness season. See, there's some of you in here right now and you feel like God is distant. You feel like his voice is faint. You feel like his voice is a whisper and you thought it's because you were far from him. But reality is, is that God is holding you close right now and the reason it's a whisper is because he's right next to you. He's saying, son, daughter, I got this. That, that, that thing you're dealing with, I got it. That relational conflict, I got it. That provision you're looking for, I got it. That breakthrough you need, I got it. If we just listen for the whisper, our only response is to lean in closer and realize that he's God with us in the wilderness. He's God with us in every season of our life. 
He hasn't left you, he hasn't forsaken. You can run to the desert, he's there. He leads you in the desert, he's there. We just gotta meet with him. I feel like he's just saying he wants you to lean in a little bit more today. I don't know what your desert looks like today. I don't know what your, your wilderness looks like today. I don't, I don't know what the, the cause of it is. I don't know what the issue is. I don't know what it represents in your life, that metaphor, but I do know this. He's got you. He's holding you and he's whispering to you, son, daughter, it's gonna be okay. God, we thank you so much for your word. And we thank you that your word is awesome. God, your word is life-giving. God, we thank you, Lord God, that even in the moments when we're looking for the remarkable, sometimes you just show up in the ordinary. So Lord, I pray for every person in this place right now that God is walking through the season that we just described, that it's walking through that desert season that they would lean in this morning and they would hear your whisper. They would hear your whisper. With every eye closed and every head bowed in this place, you're here today, and I don't know where you're at with him. I don't know if you're far from him. And even if you feel far from him, the great news is, is he's chasing you down. He's always searching, he's always looking. God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to a place of repentance. He's calling you, but his call sounds like a whisper because he's right there by your shoulder. And you're here today and you'd say, you know what, Pastor, I, I need, I need that whisper today. I'm walking through the wilderness. I don't know what your wilderness is, but you know. And you're walking through the wilderness and you'd be honest enough to say, man, I need to hear the whisper. I need to lean in a little more. Every eye closed, every head, just raise your hand wherever you're at. Just raise your hand. Don't be afraid. Come on. This is your time to respond. No one else looking around. Anybody else? I don't know what it is. It might, it might, be, a, might be a broken dream. It might be a job thing. It might be a relational thing. Come on, he's, he's calling you. He's calling, he's whispering. Thank you, thank you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Why don't you go and stand to your feet? Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna pray. There are about five, six, seven of you that raised your hand. I'm gonna pray. And there's gonna be some of us up here that would love to pray for you. And so, man, this is a great moment to respond. This is a great moment to be honest about where you're at and what you're going through. Now, I'm telling you right now, there's so much breakthrough when you're just honest about where you're at. That's why the Bible says to confess our sins to one another. There's healing in that, the Bible says. But maybe it's not even a sin issue. It's just, you just got stuff that's causing this wilderness in your life. Man, this is gonna be a great place as we wrap up and be some of us up here to pray for you, pray for what you're going through. So after I pray, you respond. Others of you, you wanna stay in worship for a little while? And stay in worship for a little while. The band's gonna be leading. If you wanna go grab your kids and bring them back into this moment of worship, feel free, go grab your kids out of kids' class, bring them in here, let them be in the presence of God for a while. Others of you, man, you're gonna go out and you're gonna have fellowship. You're gonna go out, grab a cup of coffee, chill, hang out. And don't be in a hurry to get out of here, just, you know, hang out with one another, do life with one another. If you want to continue your worship with the giving, we got the giving box in the back. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that your word is transforming us from the inside out. Lord, I pray for everyone in this place right now that feels like they're in that wilderness season. God, I pray that they would, Lord God, just learn to rest and know that you're right there with them in every season of their life. In Jesus' mighty name.
Amen. Come on, you need prayer. Come on, can I get some of the pastors up here? Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.